Coming up on the Outside of Sunday podcast, we are talking with Soraya Smith. Raised in a Christian home, Soraya openly shares about her struggle with body dysmorphic disorder, being far from the Lord, and how clinging to Christ literally saved her life. Little side note, in this episode, we will be discussing drug use, self-harm, suicide, and anorexia. So discretion is advised. Hey, you're listening to the Outside of Sunday podcast. Is your faith stuck on Sunday? Christianity was never meant to be constrained to a weekly church service. I'm Krista, and I'm here to help and encourage you to live your faith outside of Sunday. All right, welcome everyone to this episode of the Outside of Sunday podcast. I have a very special guest here with me today, and she's actually my beautiful little cousin. Um, This is Soraya Smith, and she's agreed to come and visit me and just have a little bit of a chat for you today and I know that this is just going to bless you so let's just get started shall we let's do it so you are Soraya Smith tell us tell us a little bit about (laughs) yourself please well I'm from Tauranga Mm -hmm. and I am working with children and after school care which is a very fun job exciting Um, I basically just get paid to be a big kid myself just with a little authority that's how I love to yeah describe my job and um, I'm also saving up to go travel more of the South Island this summer with my friends, which I'm really looking forward to because I love travel. Yes, you um, were recently in the South Island, weren't I you? I was last summer and now yeah. I'm going back with my friends because we just loved it so much and there were just so many things that mm-hmm. I didn't have time to do. Mm-hmm. So I've like planned it all awesome. on where I'm going to go and what I'm going to do next. So, so fun. yes, looking forward to that. So yeah, those are just little things. Cool. That well, there. well, tell us a little bit about where you were in your life. Obviously... You love the Lord, you follow Jesus, yeah. but where were you in your life where you actually first encountered Jesus? I was about 19 years old mm-hmm. and I had, I didn't graduate school, I'd left at 16 and started working and life was just so work, blow all my money on booze and drugs wow. and mm-hmm. party and that was it and I was mm. like, there's, there's no... there's no foundation that I'm building my life on and I just don't know what to do and Mm -hmm. like yeah and so at 19 years old I got bored of it and just really lost and really depressed because I had no vision for my life and I remember driving home from work one night so I worked at the movies it was a fun job that sounds like a great job for a 19 year old oh absolutely (laughs) it it was it was a fun job I did I did love my job but like I said I had no vision for Mm -hmm. my life so everything I did just felt pointless like Mm -hmm. what's the point of working what's the point of even you know Mm -hmm. waking up to eat breakfast or Mm -hmm. just the little things I was just so pointless because Mm -hmm. I had no meaning for life and Mm -hmm. my motivation but I was driving home from work one night and it was about midnight And I was crying and I was like, God, I know you're real, but I just don't feel your presence. I don't, I don't understand you Mm. (laughs) and just, and I don't, I don't have a purpose. And, but you say, you say that you have, um, knit us together in our mother's womb and that we're fearfully and wonderfully made and Mm -hmm. that you have created us for a plan and a purpose. Yeah. What is that? Like Mm. I, and so I hadn't been going to church for a couple of years, pretty much like since I left high school. And and I loved going to church when I was a kid, but when I um, left school and started working and earning my own money and just growing mm. up and doing my own thing, I was not anywhere near church. Mm. Um, but yes, yeah, so I was like, God, okay, I'll, I'll go back to church. Um, and this was on a Saturday night because the next the next evening at the night service, Siana, mm-hmm. my sister, mm-hmm. um, 
she wanted to get in touch with a friend of ours who was leaving to start his own church and Siana wanted advice on how to get her foot in the door in the ministry Mm -hmm. and I went to bed on that Saturday night crying like, oh, no, I don't know what I'm going to do with my life. <laughs> Give oh, me a purpose. Yeah. And he said, go to church tomorrow night with your sister. And I was like, oh, fine. <laughs> like, you I felt just, the Lord like just say that to he, you. Yeah, yeah, it was very, uh, yeah, like go to church tomorrow night with your sister. And mm. I was like, okay, but wasn't really that excited mm-hmm. about it. Yeah, and so I cried myself to sleep. And then I went to church that next night with Sienna and I got a word about God is with you. Um, and you do have a purpose and a plan for your life. I didn't tell this guy nothing. So someone came up to you and said that to you? Yeah, the friend that Sienna was talking to, and they were all talking about, you know, mm-hmm. this is ministry, and, like, this is what you can do. Like, mm-hmm. all, you know, all, you know, focusing on their um, their love for ministry and talking about, like, you know, where you, where you can go next, and I'm just sitting there zoning out. <laughs> and he goes, oh, by the way, um, your life is going to accelerate at some point, but you have to really trust the the slow the process. It's going to feel like it's starting out really slowly, and mm-hmm. I'm just like, what? Wow! <laughs> I didn't tell this person nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, I was just sitting there, zoning out, listening to Siana and him talk. So this was on that that Sunday night, and then the following weekend, okay. I'm like, okay. So God, God's given me some sort of like you know hope. Like mm-hmm. He says, I've got a future, and mm-hmm. I'm like, okay. So I felt quite motivated to like mm-hmm. want to pursue God I'm like but what do I do and Mm -hmm. so I thought it would be a good idea to have God conversations with my very drunk friends (laughs) (laughs) always a great idea (laughs) it was a great idea but it just it didn't work because in my mind I was like I can still Mm -hmm. follow God but also live this life you know like I don't have to sacrifice the the drugs or the alcohol Mm -hmm. or anything like that Mm -hmm. um and so yep 19 years old um, had this word spoken over me that really motivated me, but I just, it didn't, I, I didn't think of now I've got to sacrifice this mm-hmm. way of life and, or, you know, to follow Christ. I thought I could balance both of it out, but mm. uh, I learned very quickly that that was not the case, but I felt God's grace. So in that moment, like mm-hmm. as well being like, mm-hmm. It's not quite right, Soraya, but you know uh-huh. what? Let me show you. Like, come with me and we'll walk through this together and I'll show Isn't you. Isn't he so gentle and, like, so patient? Gentle. Yeah. yeah. And what did your drunk friends say? Like, I'm curious when they, you started talking about God to them. They were open. Like, that's the thing. Cool. Like, they were searching for something spiritual and, like, meaning in their life as well because, you mm. know, we're, like, 18, 19 years old yeah. studying, trying mm-hmm. to, like, find out where we belong in this mm-hmm. world. And um, I guess, like spiritual conversations always come up when you know yeah. people are taking drugs and <laughs> and I suppose yeah they are yeah. more open to like yes. the spiritual realm because they're experiencing something that isn't normal exactly yeah. so you could maybe yeah something exactly into the conversation. so it wasn't hard to bring it up mm-hmm. but it was very like wow trippy you know like it was yeah. it didn't feel like uh I was getting through to anybody and mm-hmm. I felt like I was a bit okay well there's no point carrying on this conversation mm-hmm. but I was also very excited to like, oh, I can talk about God and like, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. But yeah. it just, I wasn't in the right environment. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, no, it is really the right environment when you think about it. Like people think that Jesus isn't in. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and those were the people that were in your life at the time. Absolutely. But I was also aware that I was talking to people who didn't believe in God or yeah. they came from Christian homes themselves, but mm, thought this true. Christian thing isn't for me. So there was mm. that part of I'm excited to talk about God, but I am also a little bit ashamed to bring it out so there was Mm -hmm. this very um 
I don't know how to say it, kind of like this push-pull kind of feel of like talk about yeah. God, but be a bit reserved about it. When did you like come to that point where you were like, I can't keep this up with like going out partying and also going to church on the Sunday yeah. kind of thing? Was yeah. there a, a moment where that kind of changed? I just, you? I couldn't keep up with, I couldn't keep up with it. I realized if I really truly wanted to pursue Jesus, mm. I... I, just, I couldn't be two different people, you know. I felt like he was really calling um, calling me out of that environment. Yeah. And I was, am I either going to listen to him or am I going to just stay put? I have to make a choice here. And it was willing. Like, I willingly made, yeah. you know, that choice to follow Jesus. I never felt forced or nothing yeah. um, because at the end of the day, like, it was his love that really mm. overwhelmed me. When you made that change and mm. you decided, okay, I'm not going to do this party lifestyle anymore I suppose it is kind of like that moment where we do have to as Jesus says you know pick up our cross yes and follow him yeah and that means dying to our past Mm -hmm. and was that hard for you so hard what was it like that was all I knew really like and that was where my closest friends were Mm -hmm. that was my community and you know these they they were genuinely like cool people and they we did have each other's backs but there was just um, it was a damaging lifestyle yeah. and the more I tried to stay there, mm-hmm. the heavier things just became and the more yeah. like torn I, I was like about myself as well, my identity, like mm. who do I want to be? Like I can, mm. I can, you know, I can feel God calling me into this, um, this life of freedom and, you know, and, and, yeah. um, and peace and, and I'm just like, I I want that, but I don't, I I also don't want to leave my friends. And so, yeah, it was a hard decision to make because we were really close. And most of my friends at this time in my life, we had known each other since primary school. So that's really, and and I wasn't, obviously, you know, I was be like, guys, you know, Jesus and he died Mm -hmm. for our sins. But at the end of the day, they're going to make that choice for themselves too, whether or not they want to follow. And I was that friend that walked away. Mm. Everybody else kind of stayed where they were and I felt like I was missing out I felt like I yeah I just felt like I up and left my friends um and it it, I think about it to this day and I and I wonder like do they see it that way that I just up and left and never like abandoned abandoned yeah that's the word and I'm like I really hope that you know they didn't feel that way but that's how I felt like I felt Mm -hmm. like I was abandoning my friends but I knew that I was pursuing something that wasn't going to lead me to a damaging future. Like mm-hmm. I, I just had to believe and trust in God that he was yeah. going to lead me to this, the, the, you know, down the road, road of salvation. And it's mm-hmm. like, there's nothing, he's not going to set us up for failure if we pursue him. So I was like, okay, <laughs> God is good. Yeah. I'm going to follow God as long as I'm following God. Yeah. I'll be good. But also praying for my friends mm-hmm. that hopefully they see his goodness and his mm-hmm. love as well. But yeah. it was hard. I bet. Yeah. And, and that's the thing, eh? Like, I talk about this all the time. Like, it is free to follow Jesus. It is, yeah. But it's really hard, you know? Yeah. Like, it's not the easy way, no. you know? Like, I think people sometimes think, oh, yeah, it's super easy. I'll just pray prayer. Um, and then I'm, you know, guaranteed heaven and I don't have to do exactly. anything. But yeah. there is actually, it's going to be hard. It it's is, probably yeah. harder than if you had a chosen well, that's why they call it, you know, the, the easy road. It's yeah. the road that leads to destruction. <clears throat> it's the hard one that actually is going to get us, you know, crown of life at the end. Exactly. And yeah. Yeah, for sure. Oh, wow. Um, so something that um, most people probably wouldn't know to mm-hmm. look at you at all, because, I mean, you're this gorgeous, <laughs> well-spoken, 
lovely, beautiful young woman. <laughs> <laughs> but you um, have struggled in your life with something called, um, let me make sure I'm saying this right, <laughs> body dysmorphic disorder. Yes. Can you tell me a little bit about that? Because honestly, I don't really know much at all yeah. about we can just call it BDD, BDD from now on yeah. just because it's less of a, it's a bit of a mouthful. Tongue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a bit of a mouthful. So yeah. what is B- BDD? So BDD is a, a mental uh, disorder where your your brain is uh, wired and oh, I guess it has a, a distorted self-image. So mm-hmm. what I see is not what other people see and that's that's the same for everyone like Mm -hmm. body dysmorphia I guess we all have it to a point I mean we're obviously gonna acknowledge our flaws or see them bigger than other people will but when it becomes a disorder is when it takes complete control of your life and there is actually activity going on in the brain where you you have basically trained your brain and wired Mm. your brain into seeing either things that aren't there or things that um, are are, are a minor flaw, but your brain has just magnified it times a hundred. And um, it's, it's not hard to explain, but like when I, when I, when I explain it to me, I think like, wow, this sounds so made up (laughs) because uh, yeah, but it, but it's not. And that's Mm. the thing. I'm like, this is such a strange like I it's like mm. I'm almost hallucinating or am mm-hmm. I delusional about mm-hmm. my physical appearance but to understand that there's actually something going on psychologically mm-hmm. yeah yeah well it's like you say those neurological pathways mm-hmm. right and it's scientifically proven eh? yeah. like if you choose certain thoughts or whatever yes. the pathways get stronger and stronger and then it just becomes like a yep. default or something yep. is that accurate that yep very accurate and it's a great way to explain <laughs> I'm so sciencey. You are <laughs> not even. <laughs> um, but is this similar to what someone who say struggles with anorexia or yep. perhaps gender dysphoria as well? Is yes. it kind of similar? It's pretty much like with gender dysphoria similarity, but with mm-hmm. anorexia, it is uh, basically under the umbrella of okay. body dysmorphic disorder. Mm-hmm. Um, so that is probably the most common. Um, uh, recog- like or the most recognized yeah. um, illness from okay. body dysmorphic disorder is uh-huh. people who struggle with anorexia mm-hmm. they see themselves as bigger than they really are where of course people on the outside mm-hmm. are looking at them going you have nothing on you your skin and bone your skin yeah. and bone and they still think they have weight to lose and of course mm. it always runs deeper but yeah. that's just the physical working mm. of what's going on on mm. the inside so anorexia mm. is a very um like the most common example of body and what people might kind of more understand or relate to and associate it with that yeah. specific, but it's not just about eating disorders yeah yeah so how is it what does that look like for you? For me, it, it did start with weight. Mm-hmm. Um, when I was 13, I underwent surgery to correct my spine from mm-hmm. scoliosis. Mm-hmm. And because of that experience, it did not go smoothly, unfortunately. Um, I had lost complete control of everything. Like the nurses had to do everything for me oh while I was gosh. healing, lying on a broken spine for a week, couldn't turn, oh. couldn't, um, I couldn't do anything. I couldn't walk and. And then after about two weeks, I had to learn to walk again. And the pain was just on another level. I can't even like, oh. <laughs> explain it. But um, I lost my appetite from medication that I was on. So I was losing weight anyway. Mm. Um, but also 
it was the sense of control that I had. I realized that this was the only thing people couldn't tell me to do was eat. Uh. Um, and so it didn't start from, um, I need to be skinny. Mm-hmm. It started from, I need to gain control. And yeah. it was the only thing I had control of. And then once I came home and started recovering from my surgery, mm-hmm. um, 13 years old, you know. Such a tender age. Such a tender age. You know, yeah. you're growing up. Mm-hmm. Things are changing. You're, you know, your life's changing. Friend group's changing. Mm-hmm. You know, starting high school. Oh my and gosh. Yeah. I had never received compliments about my appearance before. Mm-hmm. And so my friends would be like, oh my gosh, you're so skinny. And... Mm-hmm. They would say it as, as a compliment. And of mm-hmm. course, this is like the early 2000s. So this is when like Paris Hilton and Victoria Beckham were like... Oh, they were tiny. They were tiny. Yeah. The Hollywood size zero, yeah. you know, that was Ugh. that was the trend back mm-hmm. then. Mm-hmm. And so they would say like, oh my gosh, you're so skinny and you look like you could be on, you know, America's Next Top Model because they were tiny girls. Yeah. And I was like, yeah. what? Like, I've never... Rest- yeah. <laughs> and I was so unwell. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But... So it's, it's kind of tricky, eh? Because... Yeah. They saw you as like this image of beauty, yeah. The but it was standard, actually yeah. not helpful for your condition. Not at all. No. And that was what made me go, oh, "I'm pretty now. Mm-hmm. I've never received this kind of attention before. I've never been pretty." Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so it went from gaining control mm-hmm. of my environment whenever I felt like I had lost control, yeah, um, of whatever situation. To now, I've got to maintain this weight. Yeah. And oh man, maintaining that. Maintaining it mm. was literally I'd just drink water as much water as I could. Wow. And if I was hungry, I would eat like one thing. That reminds me of I'm so sorry, like, but this reminds me of the Devil Devil's Prada. Yeah. <laughs> Where she's like, well, I eat nothing, and then when I feel like I'm about to faint, I'll have a cube of cheese. Cube of cheese. I yeah, know. Yeah, yeah. That's literally it. Like that is actually it's funny. Like, yeah, but it's funny, but true. Um, funny, but terrible. But so terrible, please don't do that. Don't. Yeah. Don't do all, that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But it was, yeah, pretty much that. <laughs> wow. Okay. Yeah. Dangerous. Not good. Okay. No. So when was it that you actually realized that you had some kind of disorder there? Right. Was it just like you just thought this was how it was? Mm. Maybe later in your teen years, did you realize that something was up? Yeah. So actually it wasn't until I was 22. Wow. I know. So years later. So throughout my teen years, like I said, it was, you know, the the, um, eating disorder was the Mm -hmm. first thing that kind of um, triggered it, the BDD. But I didn't, I'd never heard of BDD. Mm -hmm. And... It wasn't, it, I, it wasn't just my weight anymore. As I got older, it was the shape of my nose or mm. um, obviously acne. Mm. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, and my scars from um, my surgery and also mm-hmm. self-harm scars and mm. things like that and constantly feeling like I just wasn't pretty enough or good enough, even just like the little details of like my hands, like I've got really? to hide my hands because wow. I they look so manly or whatever like there was just a distorted image about Mm. everything on my body so it wasn't just weight it was also just my entire image so what did that lead to in terms of like your behavior did you just like shy away from people and yes I would like this is how I explain it like imagine like walking out into public naked and all you want to do is just hide yeah literally that was it and it would be like if I don't if I'm not wearing makeup in in public I felt like I just wanted to run away and hide. And I would mm. literally run mm. away and hide. Wow. Um, not come out of the house for days on end. And this is why I left school because um, at 16 was when it really peaked and got wow. really bad. Mm-hmm. Um, not showing up to school anymore, like weeks at a time. Wow. And 
I would lie to my parents and be like, yeah, I went to school today mm. because I thought, you know, they'd be mad at me if they found out I was wagging. Oh, man. <laughs> but when they realized something was wrong, they said, like, if this is going to help take the pressure off, you don't need to go to school anymore. And I never felt so understood by my parents. Like, my parents have always been really loving and tried mm-hmm. to be, like, so understanding. But, of course, what are they going to do if you're not communicating with them? Yes. Yeah. But they just think it's bad behavior. They think rather it's bad than- behavior, yeah. I need help. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And but they they saw things, but they mm-hmm. knew that the kind of person I was. Like they're like, okay, we'll just wait for her uh-huh. to bring it up. But at this point, they were like, no, we need to step in. Okay, um, good on them. Yeah, they did. And and I was so scared at first because my dad, yeah. love him, but he was just so concerned. He just didn't know what to. <laughs> he did not know how to bring it up, and he was like, yeah. what are you doing? Blah, blah, blah. And I was like, oh, don't be mad at me. But then when I finally told them what was going on, they were like, okay. Mm-hmm. Here's what we're going to do. And awesome. I was like, oh, thank you, Jesus. Like, yeah. And that was, you know, just kind of talking about Jesus. Like that mm-hmm. was the first kind of father heart that I saw wow. um, experienced in my walk mm-hmm. as well. Um, and at 16 years old where I was kind of like, I don't know if I want to follow God, but I still felt him in that moment through my parents. So, yeah, little <laughs> thing there. But so cool. yeah, so no, 22 years old was when I first heard of BDD mm. and so I just turned 22, came back from being in Australia for six months, mm-hmm. um, and I got accepted to go to a music school in Hamilton. Yes, because it, for people who don't know, <laughs> she's an amazing singer. <laughs> just like, honestly, just such a beautiful voice. Well, maybe one day you can like do a song for us. No, no. Maybe one day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I was only at that um, college for a month because mm-hmm. I couldn't be seen. Like, wow. I, and obviously you're learning to sing on stage. That must have been and so hard because you do have this gift. And yeah. do you want to sing? Like, is yeah. that, yeah. It was a very much like, I just want to do this. So like, conflicting, yeah. That was my choice of how I want to um share the gospel is I want to evangelize through music like that's my dream Love it. and so I'm like cool and it's a Christian music awesome. college so I was like oh, I feel like I'm going in the right direction yeah but I couldn't get out of the house because wow. oh my hair's not looking this way or there's this one mm. spot wow. that I can't cover up like it's the most insignificant little details that mm. no one else would notice but yeah. when you're struggling with BDD it's mm. massive wow. um and then it would trigger just the whole thought of then there's this wrong with me and that wrong with me and I'm mm-hmm. just too ugly and then it goes to I'm not good enough I'm not talented wow. enough um so yeah I left that college unfortunately only mm. a month into it mm-hmm. and so Moved back in with my parents. Obviously, mm-hmm. wasn't studying, didn't have a job because I couldn't leave the house. And I was just scrolling on YouTube one day in my room. Mm-hmm. And there was this um, video that popped up about body dysmorphic disorder. And yeah. it just caught my attention because I never heard of it. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, this is about, you know, um, distorted self-images. Like, well, mm-hmm. oh, interesting. Let's click on this. And it was about this girl. It was only a seven-minute interview about yeah. this girl who, in Australia was going uh, undergoing this kind of like um, experiment but also like treatment as well like of what does the brain look like when with someone who has body dysmorphic disorder and can science back up what's happening is Mm -hmm. it just because we live in a shallow world and we're all just Mm -hmm. so consumed by appearance and Mm. but actually this is a real disorder and this is what the brain looks like and Mm. this is how it can affect your behavior and I just had this light bulb moment of this is me like 
what like mm. this is a real thing mm-hmm. because like i was saying before like sometimes when i talk about it i still think this sounds so made up mm-hmm. but it's not and that was my first like thought of oh yeah okay this just sounds like a made-up disorder because we're putting labels and <laughs> everything nowadays but then they started going yeah. into the brain activity yeah and i just was like well okay that's undeniable mm-hmm. <laughs> and then i started thinking about scriptures like um the power of life and death is in the tongue and I was like oh my gosh now even I'm thinking about scriptures that are backing this up too so that was the moment 22 years old in my bedroom Mm -hmm. in my parents house of okay I must have something Mm -hmm. going on in my mind I need to go and check this out and so I went to the doctor and she had only heard of the eating disordered side okay so she had no kind of no but she took what I was saying very seriously that's good I had attempted to take my life I was struggling with self-harm and she was like we need to get you help right away and I was very lucky because we know that the mental health system in New Zealand is not the greatest um and she just really pushed it and I was able to uh, see a psychologist and Mm -hmm. that was really where my journey started of um been diagnosed Mm -hmm. um and also his, you know, the journey of how we can battle this. Okay, that was part one of our conversation with Soraya Smith. I'm so thankful for the work of God in Soraya's life and her willingness to be so open, not only with her testimony, but her journey with BDD. And before I sign off today, I just wanted to bring it back to Christ. Soraya and also Bethany in the previous episode both came to the point where they realized that in order to follow Christ, they had to let go of their previous life. It's God calling the Israelites out of Egypt, across the Red Sea, and then into the Promised Land. That right there is the picture of the gospel. The Israelites were in bondage in Egypt, and we are in bondage to our sin. The Israelites did nothing to earn their freedom. God did all the work. We can do nothing to earn our salvation. Christ did all the work. And just like the Israelites, we have to walk through the Red Sea, walk through the work of Christ that was completed on the cross and with his resurrection. 1 John 2 verse 2 says, He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. And as we trust in Christ's sacrifice, we must leave Egypt behind. We must leave our life of sin behind. And sometimes, sadly, that means leaving friends behind. Is the Lord speaking to you today? If he is, maybe just pause this podcast right now and don't let another moment pass by without getting right with the Lord. Next week in part two, Soraya shares about how body dysmorphic disorder led to body mutilation, how she deals with the disorder as a Christian, and how she hopes to help others struggling with BDD. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Outside of Sunday podcast. I'll catch you next time. Congrats, you made it to the end of this episode of the Outside of Sunday podcast. Thanks for the support. Become an official outsider by liking and subscribing and leaving a five-star review. You can connect with me on Instagram or Facebook. Just search Outside of Sunday podcast. And don't forget to let someone you know know about this podcast.